when I started building this management team, it was very much the principle of they will probably do a better job than I would. And it sort of that perspective evolved even further to realize actually find good people and set them free. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast and to another in my series by Build and Sell. And after having spoken to a number of experts in the field over recent Wednesdays, I wanted to bring on a relative newbie to the field, Adrian Knight. Adrian and I met, actually, as it turns out, just under a year ago at uh, Jeremy Harbour's Harbour Club training in Heathrow in October of 2019. And boy, at the time sat there uh, uh, on that programme, we would not to have recognised or known what was <laughs> going to happen in the 12 months on ensuing but Adrian has come out the blocks quick he's done a number of acquisitions in the 12 months and I wanted to get him on to hear a case study a story of someone who's been on the course put it into practice and his world and his business life has been massively transformed for the better so straight into my conversation now with Adrian Knight Hi, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast and to my mini-series of Buy, um, Scale and Sell. And you'll know through this mini-series, the episodes we've been talking to, I've been talking to experts in the field who teach, who consult, who help people buy businesses, often with no money down deals. But I wanted to bring a real life success story onto the podcast. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Knight and I met uh, nearly, we've just realized a year ago when we did Jeremy Harbour's training, Harbour Club. So Adrian, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you, Gavin. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to, um, um, to be on here. It really is. Right, so just so that we grab everybody's attention, in just, well, we're what, September, so let's just say we're almost 12 months, or end of September, in, in just under 12 months, uh, from, from having done the training with uh, Harbour Club, how many acquisitions have you now done? Um, we are just closing, this Thursday, closing our six. The sixth acquisition in less than 12 months, that's mm. phenomenal. Wow. So what a journey. I can see by the look on your face that it's been a journey both exciting, you're bitten by the bug and, and no doubt plenty of learnings along the way. So before we get into that story, to share a little bit about the nature of your business pre this journey of acquisitions. Sure. So um, thank you, Gavin. It really is great to, uh, to be on here. So um, our, uh, well, my business is franchising and within franchising and uh, we have a franchise recruitment business so a business that's focused on recruiting uh, franchisees to uh, franchise networks it's a business i started myself about five years ago um, but i always had in mind the the real goal of this was to um uh, to go down the acquisition route and start buying some franchise organizations that we essentially could plug into our recruitment business and uh oh right you get your own vertical integration then exactly yes yeah, yeah. the franchise recruitment is a very hard uh a very hard business to 
sort of build a business in. Uh, it's a very unique and niche market, um, and it really is a slog. But strategically, being able to plug it into our own brands would, you know, it would just prove really worth it. And uh, and that's what sort of turned me on to uh, acquisitions. So. Of these acquisitions, how many of the six that you'll have done have been no money down deals? Four. Four of the six. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the difference it's made in terms of group revenue from 12 months ago to now? Yep. Yeah, so uh, uh, 12 months ago, we closed that financial year, just another recruitment business, just over, just a nudge over 200,000 in terms of uh, turnover. So I've not set, set in the world alight. Um, but in the last 12 months, we're now just a nudge over a million. Wow. And you'd have been hard-pressed, particularly given what's gone on in the last six months, to have done that organically by any other way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, first of all, then, you know, you were, must have been pretty quick off the blocks. Many people go and do a training course and don't do anything in, uh, for some time or even at all as a result of that. So what were the first steps that you took after having you know, attended some training to learn about how to buy businesses and how to do deals? What what was the uh, the first thing you went away and did? Well, actually, I think it's a, it's a great question because my first steps were actually pre-training. And so um, when I first sort of decided that actually this was the path I was going to go down, uh, I was actually on a uh, holiday with my partner and was on our baby moon. We was expecting our, our first. Um, and that very day was the Harbour Club training back in May. And the okay. next one was in August, but I couldn't make that because uh, we, we were expecting to be due with, with our daughter. Uh, so definitely couldn't get, you know, get around that one. Uh, so the next uh, actual date that I could go was October. So it left me with a big gap, five months between when I decided to go and actually been able to go, that actually proved to be a blessing in disguise because it gave me five months of prep to be able to uh, really um, get things off my plate, like clear my desk and uh, uh, with our existing business, make sure that that was, you know, I was stepping out of that business as much as I could, uh, clearing my desk really so that as soon as training finished, I could get going. Um, so that, that looking back, that, five months probably made the speed of what happened this year because there was just so much uh, groundwork that was done there. Um, literally, we uh, the training course started on a Friday, uh, finished on a Sunday, and then I was staying on for a further day for their uh, further training, a preparation oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. with Callum, which is great. And then got back on, on Tuesday, sat at my desk thinking, right, going to get going here. I, th- I think the the first step that I took is quite common. We have a lot of people who are going into the, into the, the program, which is there's so much content and so much information. You want to sit there and go back through everything and write your own notes. And I've done that for about 10 minutes and then realized that actually there was so much to this process that because I was keen to get going, the best thing I could do was almost forget everything and just focus on sourcing. So getting my uh, getting so my, just tackle stage one just, exactly, and then then read the notes around stage two, etc. You know, you just focus on getting getting moving. Exactly that, exactly that. And I and, and as it happened, um, I didn't intend, didn't set myself a target pre going on the course. But I uh, by the end of that first week, I had three hundred letters ready to go out in the post. Um, with regards to markets, I chose as I've, I've got some recruitment 
background and experience, but I had no real intentions to do acquisitions in that space. But for the first, I'd say, thousand letters that I sent out, they were all targeted at recruitment because I understood the language, understood the markets, and it gave me a great way to get some experience and have the first conversations and look at financials without sort of thinking, I don't know what I'm doing here because I really didn't, even though the training was great. It's still like a bit like a deer or some rabbit in headlights. Um, but that gave me loads of experience. So actually, I, I sort of very naturally came to a place about six weeks after that where I was like, right, I feel as though I'm, I'm relatively confident and comfortable in the conversations I'm having and looking at businesses. Now let's start and focus on the area where I really wanted to do acquisitions. And uh, yeah, it just, it, it worked well for me personally. So did you actually uh, acquire out of those six? Is any one of those a recruitment business? No. <laughs> okay. But, but, but that got you going now. It was the important thing. Well, this, this is it. So I could have, Acquired some, so uh, those those initial letters. Um, no, it was around five hundred letters generated, around forty inquiries. Um, so good, good bunch there, and I could have moved forward with a couple of those businesses, and they've even now got them on back burner. But I, th- I think one of the one of the challenges with this type of business, um, this sort of business model and this whole approach, is that you're almost blessed with too much opportunity. Yeah. And you can very quickly find yourself running around the houses for a business that actually doesn't really make sense. And I was trying to be a lot more strategic in my approach. So there was a couple of deals on the table, but in the end I decided actually this is probably going to distract me more than it will help. So um, yeah, there was none in the end in the recruitment sector. Great. So then that, that sort of, you cut your teeth really on that, get mm-hmm. you comfortable with the conversations with business owners. So then you widened the net to look for existing franchisees then franchise uh yeah franchisors so the the actual organization oh the actual uh, franchise organization oh right brilliant. yeah yeah so uh yeah so the business that we have have a network of franchisees um it, it's exactly that gavin um i started with my phone book went back through people i knew i spoke to a couple of uh sort of key people of influence within the industry uh, a couple of sort of high profile accountants couple of franchise consultants who had worked in helping businesses sort of go from a, a business into a franchise and just said look this is what I'm looking for this is my criteria put the feelers out um, and we actually ended up our first acquisition was a client of ours um, all came back very wow it's so bizarre how it happened but when it happened it happened really quick so we from our first conversation through to head to terms that happened within 10 days amazing close shortly after amazing and typically what size businesses have you bought then well i've been again quite strategic in the size of businesses that we're looking for so what with our franchise recruitment business what we are good at is recruiting franchise organizations at scale um and so we've actually been looking for smaller businesses which is a bit on the contrary but basically ones that give us a lot more runway to really make the most of that uh, so typically turnover wise they've been hovering anywhere from i actually would say around sort of quarter of a million in turnover a couple of even pre-franchise organizations like concepts that we saw was like that's so franchisable um we want to do that uh but we could have gone for much bigger. But when I looked at the bigger organizations, it just felt as though they're, you know, they were a higher value 
and you had to be more creative in deal structures. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was little uh, sort of upside, not as much upside to that. And particularly with your expertise in growing franchises and recruiting people to go into those franchises, then it makes absolute sense to get them relatively small. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's really worked for us. Um, and because they've been smaller, it's just, there's been more flexibility. There's been more, just more everything really. It just makes total sense though. You know, so your business has grown, they've grown organically. Um, they've gone through the pain of putting the processes together, the, the franchise proposition, but often they can find that the hard thing is recruiting new franchisees to grow it. Well, you've got that expertise in house. So it, it, totally makes absolute sense so where next so you're about to close on your sixth yeah so how's your actually before i ask where next how's your world as in your day-to-day week-by-week role change compared to where it was you know may may of 2019 just it's just, it's just so different in the most positive of ways so uh, bearing in mind i have a one-year-old at yep. home now um, who I try to spend as much time with as I can. Um, first of all, I'm not involved in the day-to-day of any of the businesses. And that was the first lesson. This was pre-Harbour Club, that, that five-month period was learning to get myself out of those businesses and then almost stress test that. Uh, so coming to the realisation that you know I'm not needed and you've got good people in there, let them do, you know, give them the room to, to do what they need to do. That was a big learning curve for me. So with the with the first acquisition I done, um, once we signed, we signed on the thirty first of January, and then uh, for the next three months, I just focused on putting a a management team in place, um, not full time. So they're doing anywhere from a couple of days a week to to full time, uh, but they're not all full time. And they picked up, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff I didn't want to do. So putting that day-to-day structure in there because there's such a good team i've been able to sort of leverage them in other ways so they may be spending two days a week on one business and one day oh, a week on the other brilliant. and so we've got a lovely small team now um, so in terms of my role at the moment uh when i built that management team it was a three-month process and it, it just happened naturally i didn't sort of sit down thinking this is going to be three months it just by the end of that three months everybody was on board everybody was comfortable and I was almost getting in their way um uh, and so I sort of stepped back and uh just like, okay what do I do next I know I'm gonna do some more acquisitions so my day-to-day is at the moment I'm I'm rushed off my feet because we've been closing and we've been dealing with sort of post-acquisition uh like creases to, to iron out and so forth but that's already starting to to die down and when it does my, you know, I could quite comfortably not go into work sort of two or three days a week and everything, keep an eye on like email and your phone, but everything is moving quite, uh, you know, quite smoothly. But I choose to spend my time otherwise and, and look for more deals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Because uh, that's one, the whole thing about putting a management team in and not getting involved in the day to day. I know for me, because I, I currently go into businesses to develop the strategy so they can scale and grow or turn them around and improve them. I'm going to be kind of like sort of champion at the bit to, to get my teeth in. But the think the biggest lesson for everybody that's managed to do subsequent deals has been those that have kept the self-discipline to keep out of it, mm. to put a team. So presumably you've, you know, you've, you've put the management team in place, but you've kind of set a bit of a, je- a, a direction. You've, you've been clear on, business objectives and, and and meetings to track performance. But other than that, you're leaving, you're putting capable people in, you're leaving them to get on with their job. 
Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've learned some big lessons here. So uh, pre, again, pre Harbour Club, I just couldn't get my head around how I could possibly own more than two businesses because my time would be spread so thinly. I just couldn't get my head around around that aspect. Thinking, it's, it, I know it's possible, but I just don't see it. Um, then when I stepped out of the first business and realised that we have systems in place, and I suppose that's the benefit of being in the franchise space, is that everything's systems and processes. Of course, so of course. Yeah. Thinking like that anyway, um, and then stepping myself out, I was like, wow, this is great. But I also recognised that the business is probably doing better because I'm not involved. Um, so when I started building this management team, it was very much the principle of, they will probably do a better job than I would. And it's sort of that perspective evolved even further to realize actually find good people and set them free. And that's, I don't know where I heard it, there's a, a mantra I've, I've definitely adopted, just find good people, um, share the vision, share what you're trying to achieve, uh, share some of the, the things you don't like or the, you know, where the boundaries are basically, and then let them free, you know, let them be free. And they are so grateful for that obviously they're just so grateful for that breathing room and the autonomy and being able to bring in their own creativity and the team are just buzzing like I, I get such a buzz just being around them because they're you know it's always difficult when you have a vision and being like a founder your vision is everything and you buy into it but you never actually know how much other people do but seeing them take that vision and bring it to life and just they're in some cases more bought into it you know it's just it's just amazing really Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audiobook version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies and case studies to help you not only survive but thrive through uncertain times. So go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out Survive and Thrive by Gavin Preston or grab it from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. And how often do you check in with that management team to check on progress and uh, and, and performance? Uh, we normally have, uh, so we have we have a couple of checkpoints. So with everyone, we have a one hour a week, uh, depending on what they're doing. If it's sales, if it's marketing, uh, we have a group check in, which is all done. This is all done by Zoom, by the way. Uh, group check in as well. We're all together. Uh, we have two of those. One which is our team huddle, which is non business. We just Oh, talking brilliant. about our lives and the other half when we're all together um and then i mean we tend to have a lot of conversations in between those but it, it's not because they're pre-planned it's because we're all so excited so genuinely excited about what's going on and we're just bouncing off, off each other so fantastic um, but it doesn't need that yeah and did any of the uh, founders of these businesses, did any of them stay on or, uh, and are still involved in any of those acquisitions? Yes, yeah, so I, I intentionally wanted the founders to stay on, but in a more, um, sort of, dare I say it, like an arm length type capacity. So staying on with, uh, in, in like an, uh, an advisory capacity. So the first business I bought, uh, that was founded in 1989. Yep. So 31 years old. 
um, you know, really lovely business. The director, retirement, mid-60s, you know, had enough. Uh, but equally, you know, I recognized there was so much value and experience there and so much we could never fully tap into that through a normal sort of transition period. Um, equally, this was his baby. He didn't necessarily want to have a complete sort of a cliff edge exit. And so um, with that person, once a month on our board meeting for the business, you know, we pay him, not, not a great deal amount, a few hundred pounds a month for that. He's more than happy with that. We come in, run our plans past it, past him, get his input. And it's just been really uh, uh, valuable on all fronts. Fantastic. And I've repeated that with other acquisitions. And what have been your biggest lessons, you know, uh, learnt? What, what, what have been the biggest lessons and the biggest things you would sort of do differently now for future deals? Oh, you know what? There's just so much I don't know. There's, and this is just, a, it's such a fascinating, uh, it's genuinely, it's so exciting, this whole mergers and acquisitions um, uh, sort of path. And it's just recognizing that there is so much you don't know. So um, I don't know if I would have done anything different. I would probably just do more of the same, which is be extremely curious. Um, understand that you don't know anything ask really simple and basic questions however embarrassing they may feel to you but actually that's how you learn and this it just snowballs quite quickly yeah absolutely that's for sure and so uh, you show no signs of uh, your your thirst for acquisitions abating so uh, have you have you set a target for you know in the next 12 months how many more you'd like to do um i'm, I'm trying not to get caught up with with uh, volume of acquisitions because I also sort of I've, I've sort of seen this and I can I could definitely see how people sort of fall down this rabbit hole where it is addictive like it really is addictive and at the moment uh, because of the lead flow I've just built up over the last year I've got deals coming left right and center but you have to again going back to being focused and strategic I think you have to draw a line and be like right, we've just taken on a lot of businesses, we can keep on taking more or actually we could focus on the more turnaround aspect or rebuilding aspects and do a, almost like a cycle. So like a stop, build, you know, acquire, stop, build. Um, so that's, that, a lot of sense. That's, that's where my thoughts at. But in terms of the goal, um, you know, we're, we're building a, a group that's big enough to uh, float on the, the aim to aim list. Uh, we've got very clear understanding of what that needs to look like in terms of EBITDA. Yeah. Uh, we're, I think from a people perspective, we've really come a long way and now it's uh, ramping up our, we've got our core brands in, in place and now it's ramping up those. And I think any future acquisitions will be strategic, highly strategic to that. But saying that, Gavin, um, there's, you know, the Harbour Club is, Jeremy Harbour is fantastic and his community he's built really is something special and I've met some amazing amazing people Susanna being you know one of those um uh, uh, through the network and I've partnered up with a couple of them completely different industries uh but you know we want to do deals and we want to build something and so I'm kind of having that quench uh you, you know that that's there yeah. sort of quenched from that yeah. side while we yeah. Yeah. And your sourcing, just going back to that early stage yeah. then, so you're using two questions. First of all, has, has letters been the main way of you sourcing opportunities? So this is where you're writing to the directors of uh, businesses in your target sector. Has that 
or, or now are you finding that you, you you're using brokers or word of mouth people know you're in the market what, what where do your leads come from yeah it's a great question so um uh letters i fall back on through and through we've always got letters going out um in fact actually for the last sort of three months i've been uh uh doing mentoring within the harbour club all right uh, jeremy's been organizing sort of structured 12-week mentoring sessions and i've been leading those and with all of the uh like the mentees i've been working with you could just see it time and again letters is what generates some really good uh, uh contacts and i think one of the key reasons for that is because if someone is coming back to a letter then they're reflecting a certain degree of motivation there you know they want to talk they're ready to talk which is great um so that's been bread and butter my network um it's where my first deal come from come from i've let people know but there's not really been much else that's come from there i suspect it will longer term uh, but it's good to get the feelers out and then actually since all this that's been happening with coronavirus i've started uh, looking at a couple of broker listed businesses um and i think coronavirus has definitely reset some expectations there with brokers mm. but one of the challenges is um previously they've set such such high expectations on the valuation of a business for the seller that actually when you get into that level of conversation with a seller there's such a mismatch and it is really hard to get them seeing get the seller seeing eye to eye and you can't blame them they've been sold the dream but the reality is something quite different so i've certainly for anyone starting out i would certainly say avoid brokers because you really have to uh, sort of talk your way through it and have a lot of context there um but if you've done a you know a couple then not to be afraid with engaging with them yeah, fantastic. Um, obviously, you are familiar with the franchise industry. That's your core business. So in terms of valuation, then you're aware of what the kind of like the industry multiple for for the recruitment sector is. And that's what you're applying when you're setting a value for a business. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so uh, we're looking at the valuations from a franchising perspective uh, rather than a, a recruitment. And the valuations are actually very different. Um, I've actually tried not to get too caught up with valuations, particularly when looking at deal structures, because ultimately it's about you and the seller agreeing a price. What's more important to me personally is deal structured. So how is that valuation you know, achieved and delivered? Um, when people talk about no money down deals, I think, and I certainly had this, you kind of assume that you're getting the business for a pound or nothing, but that's not the case. You're paying hundred and fifty thousand pounds but you put no money down up front or none of your own money down up front there's a real fine distinction there um so i'm more concerned with the valuation i'm happy to have a conversation and be flexible to a degree around but how is that being met and do those terms fit in line with what what i'm looking for and then post acquisition, are you refined your process about what you, you do with that business and what you put in place? And then we've talked about putting um, a management team in, but again, you've learned as you've gone on about the things that you need to do to, um, to, to get the teams of those businesses engaged with the vision of the group, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm actually working on these at the moment. It's what I was very sadly doing over the, week, the weekends. Um, we, we, yeah with some downtime so yeah now that we've done a few we're starting to think of okay so you need to do this you need to do this like some of the key 
essentials and almost building like a master, really a checklist. You know, it is that simple, covering every aspect of the business, finance, legal, HR, property, if it's involved, um, and creating a, a, like a checklist so that when you are um, closing on the deal, you don't have this, oh my God, what do I do um, type thing. You've got a very structured process. And there is a lot to, uh, there is a lot to closing the business. I mean, I'm doing one at the moment and you have everything from updating the company's house through to informing HMRC on any stamp duty through to transferring trademarks, all really important things. But with a hundred other things, literally a hundred other tasks to do, um, they can get lost quite easily. And so, yeah, it helps to have those, that process. And then have you, have you put somebody on like a, a central team that's helping you kind of cross all those, all those T's and dot those I's then? <laughs> so I'm actually uh, in the process of bringing someone on board to help me with that. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm not an ops person by nature. I'm not a detailed person, but I really respect and value data and details. Um, so I've got someone coming on board because again, recognize the need having done quite a few in a couple in quick succession that we need someone like this. We need to be thorough because it could come up and you know, blow back on us. When we yeah, yeah. Come alive. yeah. 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 And it couldn't do the value in the deal. Couldn't it? If, if there's one small piece of detail that hasn't been like a trademark being transferred or something. Exactly. And we, and again, this is all coming from the stakes. So didn't have this on the first acquisition. And then there was, uh, three or four months down the line, there was problems, and we found out the trade one trademark had been transferred, but we didn't re- realize there was two trademarks. So, so wow. we went through the blocks getting that other trademark transferred, where we've been so easier to be like, right, look at these searches and do a thorough check and say this to the seller and check off you know, nice and easy up front. How much of um, the deal has been about relationship that you've been able oh. to develop with the the, the the seller it's just so important um what i've started to because we've looked at the bigger businesses more so with uh one of my business partners through harbour club much bigger bigger businesses five million plus turnover and when you get to to the five million plus it becomes a lot more corporate financing and mm-hmm. they try to uh sort of keep a gap between you and the seller for that very reason about the rapport uh, but it is just so important like really taking the time to understand the seller, their motivations, where they are, uh, and also showing them why you are a safe pair of hands and really the best person to take over this business. And almost to a degree where, I mean, you don't want to oversell yourself. It has to be done very, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of finely, I guess, but and genuinely, you know, it has to be genuine, but really sort of showing to them that, that you're going to look after their baby you're going to take it to a next stage that maybe they aspire to, but couldn't get there for whatever reason, you know, run out of time um, and so forth. And that goes such a long way, particularly when it comes to some of the closing aspects. When you're starting to close a business, it does get a little bit gritty. Um, there's a lot of details to look at and uh, details to, to cover. And you may have to have a couple of awkward conversations there. But if you've got that level of rapport, get in front of them, you know, you can help see that through and having helped um clients sell the businesses to help clients uh, buy businesses sometimes the owner the seller can feel that some of those nitty-gritty questions are um a little bit point a finger of why didn't you do it this way why didn't you do it that way and 
and, and that can make things awkward. But obviously, if you've got the rapport there, that, and then you can set the frame and the context around it. We're not making a judgment how you ran your business before. We just want to make sure that we cover off these details to make sure that we're, you know, we're, the business is going to be sound. Exactly, it's so true. It really is. Yeah. Um, Rough kind of like percentages, number of letters sent out, to number of viable conversations, to number of deals. Uh, are you seeing any pattern in those stats? Uh, yeah, I mean, my recent letters, I'm, I'm getting roughly a 10% conversion. It does uh, vary from industry to industry. So I saw very high return in the franchise sort of space. But um, I'm actually thinking that's probably more down to the fact that on the letter, included a link to my LinkedIn profile so people could see that we're very active in this sector um, got you know, a, a really spent years building out my LinkedIn profile getting recommendations and building up credibility um, but I knew that you know we were serious uh, with non sort of expert like sectors has been a little bit lower um, it has been a really funny time with coronavirus uh, 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 yeah I, I mean there's been so much financial aid from the government. I think a lot of people are still you know, plugged into that lifeline. And it's going to be quite interesting when it's pulled away, the sea bills sure. going, and sure. the bump and the bounce back. Uh, I think the conversion rates will be much higher, but it's almost felt like a, a sort of calm, it's calm before the storm type yeah. scenario. And that storm yeah. really is sort of coming. Yeah, it is. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for your time today to share, uh, get a glimpse of uh, your last 12 months and the fantastic results that you've got. And uh, I can see that, you know, not only has it been beneficial to your group, it's been a massive shift in who you are as a business person and the work that you do day to day, and has even afforded you a bit more time at home and really critical time of the, 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 of the new addition to your family. So yeah, what a year, <laughs> what a year it's been. So if anybody wants to find out more about what you're doing in the franchise space, or wants to chat to you a little bit more about with this world of acquisitions from somebody who's been there, done it, and uh, done it for real. How can they connect with you? Yep. So uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn every day. Uh, so search in uh, my name, Adrian Knight, on LinkedIn. Or if you want to contact directly, then feel free to drop me an email. It's uh, adrian at knightfranchises.com. Adrian at night, K-N-I-G-H-T at franchises.com. Adrian, thank you so much for your time today. No, Gavin, thank you so much. It's been a real honour to, uh, to be on it and I hope it's of value. Huge thanks there to Adrian. Some key things that jumped out for me, you know, find good people and set them free. Put the management in place already so that he's not involved in, Adrian's not involved in the day-to-day running of those businesses so he can focus on being the investor. The business owner can focus on growing the, the, the group through more acquisitions. The second one about his letters are always going out and he's getting approximately a 10% conversion rate on his letters. And thirdly, the bold vision of building a group big enough to float on AIM. Adrian, you're a star, real role model in terms of what you can get done in a year. And um, I know that you're just getting started. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.